session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good afternoon. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolokwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Studio number 310-441-0555. I wanted to start the show talking about conflict but actually now that I think of it starting the show made me think of something else and I'll I'll start there Um, so I had a show Monday night and uh, it was quite interesting for me when I started the show I felt okay Um, but then when I started the show I saw I was having a little bit of I wouldn't call it shortness of breath because it wasn't that uh, I was pretty sure I knew what it was, but a, a harder time breathing, which I could recognize because when I'm in the studio, I have to first of all, of course, talk um, for a continued amount of time, uh, for a long time. Um, and also I hear my voice in the, the headphones. So I realized, oh, it's it's harder for me to get the words out or I can't speak as long. I have to take a breath more regularly. Now, the reason why I kind of knew what what it was is that the few days before that I was in uh, Fresno with some family and Fresno is a smaller city in, in California and I when I'd go there I unfortunately as much as I love seeing my family one of the challenges I have is my allergies get pretty bad and I, I try to take things to help me with that um, prophylactically and while I'm there and this time it wasn't as bad. So when I came home, I thought I wasn't as bad. But then when I came to do the show, I this is now I've been home for about 24 hours. I was like, oh, it's I guess my allergies affected me more than I realized. Now, this uh, segment is not about allergies, but rather it's about self-awareness and bodily or somatic self-awareness. Because what was interesting for me is that when I looked back on my day, I had to go to a few appointments and do a few other things. And I remembered thinking, gosh, I feel really stressed or anxious. And there were some other things going on. Of course, there's always things happening in our lives, but some things I had to plan and prepare and get ready for and a few you know, things that were on my mind. And I thought I was just feeling really stressed about all of those things more than I would expect. Um, but it wasn't until... I did my show and I realized, oh, it seems like my breathing is still a bit restricted from my allergies, that all these connections started to come together that I realized like, oh, it's because my breathing is a bit more shallow. I think I'm more anxious than I am, or I interpreted my breathing as an indication of anxiety or stress when it seems to be the remnants of the allergies that I was experiencing while I was in Fresno. And it was it was interesting for me because I didn't make that connection till my awareness came about about the breathing, which wasn't until I was on the air at night. So it was a reminder of me how important it is to really check in with ourselves. When we talk about self-awareness, there are so many levels and layers to it and, and contexts. 
but in this sense, the somatic experience. So had I been more in touch with my my body and my breathing, um, let's say if I'd done meditation that morning and focused on my breath, I might have recognized this slight restriction in my breathing that I noticed that night. But I did not have that checking in and that awareness. And so because of these physical symptoms, I interpreted them as uh, emotional experience that I'm more stressed and anxious than I actually was. So yet again, the body, um, as the famous book title, the body keeps the score. The body also is telling us a lot of what we're experiencing in the moment, but that information is only available to us if we check in and become aware of it. We have to actually seek it out unless it's more extreme and then it becomes very clear, punches in the face, so to speak. But if it's not, we have to check in with it. So that was really interesting for me and remind me of some other instances of this uh, kind of phenomenon because we know that our, what we consider emotions and our physical experiences, we tend to think of them as separate. Even I probably made it seem that way uh, in this conversation already. We can think of it that way and we tend to think of them as so separate, but we know they are part of the same system. Of course, that system is us, but even our emotional system, um, it can't be taken away from the physical part. There are physical manifestations and experiences to anything we consider an, an emotion or an emotional experience. So if you're uh, anxious in general, you might feel things like tightness in your chest and tingling uh, in your fingers in more extreme cases, or even some people get headaches or they might experience different things, but there's physical symptoms that we um, experience. So I remember one time I was giving a presentation many years ago, still in, in graduate school, a friend of mine asked me to come speak at a, a school that she was teaching at uh, to tell the kids about the, the field of psychology in case they're interested and to know more about it. And so I showed up and um, I tend to run warm to begin with, so I'm usually hot in, in most rooms if it's not uh, on the cooler side. But this was uh, in the valley here in L.A. If you're familiar with the valley, it's always known to be much warmer than um, other parts of L.A. And it was close to summer and it was a packed room with, you know, 100 plus students. So it was very hot. And I remember I started giving my short talk and I remember thinking, gosh, I'm so nervous. I'm really, really nervous. I don't know why I'm feeling so nervous. You're always going to feel a bit nervous giving uh, a presentation and also with teens, you can have a different kind of feel of how they might respond. So I did anticipate some level of anxiety or nervousness about it, but I was a little bit surprised and it wasn't maybe midway through or really I don't think I, I processed it as much until afterwards that I realized I thought I was so nervous because I was sweating so much, but I was sweating so much because of the heat, this external factor, not my internal anxiety or stress that was making me um, that was making me sweat. But I was interpreting it in that moment, okay, I'm a bit nervous and I'm feeling sweat, I must be really nervous. And so I kept thinking I was n really nervous and unfortunately, this was making me more nervous because when we feel like we're nervous or anxious and we actually might start to show that or we might talk differently or you know whatever it is we're doing, we might affect our performance and that usually makes us more anxious and now we cascade uh, down this cycle of thinking we're more and more nervous and that just snowballs over time. So it, it was interesting that moment many years ago, uh, it didn't hit me again. It would have been good if I could have recognized, okay, I'm sweating, but I'm sweating because it's so hot. 
while I'm giving the talk that might make me feel like I'm really nervous or I'm feeling really anxious or I'm not doing a good job, but it's actually the temperature that's going to make me sweat. So we can expect that. And so this is what, what we mean when I say our feelings or even our physical symptoms, they are information. And not only do we want to understand the what, but the why is that we can try to counteract it in some way. So I couldn't stop myself from sweating in that moment, but I could affect my interpretation of that based on the information I had that, okay, yeah, I am a bit nervous, but it is also very warm in here and I run warm. And so I probably am going to be sweating, but that sweat is going to be more from that physical heat than some kind of internal heat of anxiety or stress that I'm experiencing. So I say all this for us to check in with ourselves way more than most of us do. Um, this is why things like meditation, even yoga, which involves meditation and often connecting with the body through the physical movements and also often some kind of ending where it is about meditation and breathing. Um, but this, this, that's why these things can be so important because we often don't recognize or realize what's happening within us and what's happening around us and how there's an interplay that's going to affect how we think we feel and how we interpret what we're experiencing. Um, the only way is to check in to, to get that information to then learn from it. So if you notice your breathing is shallow, or if you first just notice your breathing, that's the first step. But then you, if you notice how it is, then you can start to try to understand the why, which might help you understand some things. First, it might just make you realize something you're um, experiencing and why it might be that way. And that could be important Like, go, oh, okay, for me, when I go to Fresno, I get allergies. So this is what I feel. I could have just thought every time I went there, I'm getting sick or something else is going on, or I'm just not happy or low energy. But if I realize it's allergies, then it helps me understand that. And then once we understand it, sometimes we can counteract it in certain ways um, as well. So as much as we think we know why we're feeling what we're feeling, uh, it can help to go a little bit deeper to see what's what's going on there so it was a reminder for me to be more mindful of my physical experiences and at times i've recognized a disconnect that i have from the, the physical body um, that is not a good thing we want to be in touch with that to incorporate that so it was a very big reminder and really i had no idea and i wouldn't have known had i not done my show that night i probably would have went to sleep again just unaware and feeling a little bit more stressed or thinking I'm stressed or on edge, um, but really was about my breathing that was affected by the allergies that I was experiencing. So thought that was interesting. I wanted to share that with you. Kind of came to my mind as I started talking and hearing that today it was more comfortable, more what I'm used to hearing when I'm speaking on there compared to Monday, just I started the show and I was like, whoa, this sounds different. And all these thoughts come, came to my head of what was going on. So I wanted to share that with you today to start the show off. Let's go to a commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes. Hi, thanks for calling. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much in advance for your comment. Sure. And it is, I want to ask just a general question mm -hmm. that I want to know that how come all of a sudden we hear that somebody in some family that there was no gay in the family, all of a sudden they get gay, either boy or girls. 
I want to know that is it genetic, is it familial, is it environmental? What's your idea? How is your explain that? Uh huh. Okay. So, um, so to begin with, um, as far as it being genetic, there does seem to be genetic um, causes or genetic effect that it's not not genetic, but it's not some kind of genetic like brown eyes or something that it's like. Uh, we have a we can identify it very easily so or that there's one single gene sorry i'm having some issue with my sound okay it's working um so it's not so clearly genetic to say that you know first of all even that you have to have someone in the family that is you know lgbtq for someone else to have that 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 would be one but also even related to that just you know when we say no one in the family um for most of uh modern history People have hidden often if they were gay or lesbian or bisexual um, because of the consequences. So just because we don't know of someone who is gay or lesbian in that family doesn't mean that there are none for sure, that we could be so certain of that anyway. So, um, and it, it does seem to be something that we don't just even see in human beings, we see in other species behaviors that are not just heterosexual so it's not something that we should be surprised to find in, in humans so uh, your wording of all of a sudden um you know it could seem all of a sudden when we don't know something but people at times will be waiting to tell people or might even tell not tell people just like i was saying there are consequences that people might experience to being um, gay or lesbian or to share that with others so that we don't know so for us it's all of a sudden but maybe their whole life they were dealing with that and and carrying that within them so um we we to us it's all of a sudden but it wasn't necessarily to them so that's also another aspect of it now i want to hear your thoughts of what brought this to you because i have more more um thoughts about it but tell me what what brought this to your mind well, I don't know. I was thinking, I was talking to my friend, and we couldn't get to know end of that. And it was a surprise for us. I said, let me mm -hmm. talk to Dr. Hulakwi to see, is it psychologically uh, they have problems, that all of a sudden they, 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 they go that way, or is it the, from childhood they had this problem? But there was nobody in their family, but uh, all of a sudden they say, yes, uh, there, there is a guy in that family. And it mm -hmm. is a surprise for us, and I couldn't figure out to see what's going on. Well, as far as figuring it out, why someone is, no one has really just figured that out completely. But, you know, I do want to point out something in how you're talking about it, um, about it being a problem or about, you know, in a way like, something really bad has happened when we find this out which is part of this whole issue that I'm talking about why someone might not share it with other people is because especially culturally and, and even around the world but especially in certain cultures certain countries as we know in Iran for example you can face legal or physical harm um, because of that even in the United States especially individuals who are trans are more likely to experience far more likely to experience violence and there's lots of um, research showing that or statistics showing that so again we can understand that and that's why someone might be concerned to share it because of that so that's that all of a sudden part but also I want you to be aware of that and people have their own 
beliefs or their own opinions on things. So I'm not here to tell you you have to change your opinion, but I just want to point out that clearly to you it seems like something wrong or bad about um, this person. And that to me, I don't think that's a where I want society to move towards, more towards accepting everyone as they are. And many people are um, not straight or not um, cisgendered, as, as the, the phrasing goes. And we want to be aware of this, that m- throughout history, you've probably known many people in your own life that were gay or lesbian, but you just didn't know or they were hiding it. So we see a lot of people hiding it. And the reason why I bring that up is I, I do hear this, well, maybe their people are faking it or they are making it up to get attention. And, and if we look at all the possible cases, yes, you'll see I'm sure different types of things that people do, but most people, that's not the case. And the opposite is more true, that people pretended to be straight because they thought they had to be. So they got married and had kids, even though they were not attracted to their partner or they were not attracted to, let's say, men or women, but thought they had to do that because that was the only acceptable option. That's been happening way more um, throughout history and still continues. So even again, this um, notion of someone all of a sudden becoming gay or lesbian, very often it, it wasn't all of a sudden for them. They've been hiding it for a long time or they thought they had to hide it and now they're sharing it with others. So trying to figure it out, like let's say, why is this you know individual gay in this family? Um, again, one, it points to this way of like something bad has happened in that family. We have to find the, the quote unquote problem, um, but there really isn't going to be some kind of explanation like uh, they did something wrong or I know a lot of times people think well if you showed them more girls or you showed them more guys or you did these things that was why they are you know attracted to one sex or the other those things don't play a part in that um, the environment in that way is not going to have an impact okay when you say you have their own belief where do they get that belief from where does it come from what do you, which it's well no I was saying beliefs about people who are let's say people have beliefs or opinions about being gay or lesbian I don't think it's a belief when it's who they are attracted to like if you're um, attracted to women it wouldn't be a belief that's who you're attracted to therefore you mean that it should be multiple factor that cause this problem Sure, and again, I, I'll mention the word problem there. Um, but people being people are, attra- are who are attracted to is is definitely related to many factors. Sure, but again, you know, I take issue with calling it a problem because that's um, talking about certain people who are having a certain experience and saying that they shouldn't have that or they shouldn't be this way, which is a big part of the problem. That part I see as a problem. The way we've treated LGBTQ people and continue to do so, where people still have discrimination and and, uh, being harmed just because of something that is part of who they are you know who they who someone is attracted to should have no bearing in how we treat them Uh, do they have any background experience that all of a sudden happen like this and it uh, shows shows up like that or no well but again you know you're mentioning all of a sudden maybe you can tell me what you mean by that when you say all of a sudden well to that uh, they were normal, but all of a sudden we hear that that happened to them. But but yeah, but again, that word normal, I think, is one I I think I take an issue with. Calling some people normal, and then that's implying that other people are 
abnormal or shouldn't be this way? Well, the usual, the normal person like that, like the normal human being that usually we are attracted to the uh, to the opposite sex, but all of them they are attracted to the same sex. Well, how does it happen? Well, but well, so I mean, you know, I guess normal is you know because as judgments, uh, the majority more do are attracted to the opposite sex, but normal is that's the word that I think can again lead to a judgment about being good or bad right or wrong um but as i was saying even in the animal kingdom we see this as a uh, something that occurs that it's not just opposite sex attraction or opposite sex sexual behavior it's not the only thing so when you say how does this happen it's that people are attracted to some people most the majority will be same sex and even lots of research on sexuality shows there's a type of spectrum of who people are attracted to it's not just black or white um, for many people there might be something more in between we like to make everything black and white that either you're just attracted to this or just attracted to that but it's not that black or white so people are attracted to different just like you might be attracted to certain types of people even within let's say women or men you might find some of them more or less attractive it doesn't necessarily mean there's some kind of problem or something wrong attraction as you said yeah it's definitely going to be related to many different factors it's not just a one type of factor thing um, but some people are attracted to men some are attracted to men or women some it might not even be as clear they might be attracted to um you know whatever they find attractive if we also look at that there's ways we make these labels that prevent people from even seeing who they might be attracted to i see and therefore it should be many many factors and many causes to cause these problems yeah again i i think you the word problem i is the one i'm i i think it's something to be aware of when you if you tell someone who is gay that they have a problem being aware of how that's going to feel to them. Okay. All right. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. Thanks, sure. Thanks for your comment. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, this I'm, I appreciate the caller calling in um, because this is a topic that we, of course, all of human history, this is something people experience as far as sex, sexuality, and who they're uh, attracted to also how they identify and I think many people do see um, not being straight as some kind of issue or problem but as I uh, mentioned when we were speaking that to me is concerning because that is the way that many people view it and that's why people who are members of the LGBTQ community continue to receive um, prejudice discrimination even physical harm um, because of their sexuality something that to me it's not relevant to us so if you meet someone and you are just interacting with them i think the basis and the basic is to treat everyone with dignity and respect and you don't need to know or it's not related to um who they're attracted to um who they're in a relationship or any of those things uh, should not be a part of that and so uh it's unfortunate we still have so many issues related to rights and human rights for individuals who are not um, conforming to what we are putting a label as normal and seen as a problem i think that to me is a big problem um, individuals who are trans in the united states 
a country that we is more progressive than many, um, still experience considerable discrimination, and we're seeing many laws being passed against individuals who are trans that have big repercussions. Um, I, I remember being very struck by a statistic I saw a while ago looking at how in states that passed same-sex marriage laws, making it legal for same-sex marriage, this is now uh, several years ago, um, when those law, th- those states passed those laws, there was a decrease in the suicide rate of LGBTQ teens. And so how might this be related? Well, uh, first of all, we do see um, higher levels of suicide in individuals from the LGBTQ community which is strongly affected by how they're treated and accepted in society or not accepted. And so when we pass a law or before the law is passed that members of this community, or if you're not heterosexual, you can't get married, there's definitely this clear message that um, who you are and how you are is not fully accepted is not okay, might even be a problem. And so that, of course, is going to affect how the people feel Part of uh, suicide, of course, is just like these issues we're talking about related to so many different factors. It's not just one cause of suicide. But there are um, factors related to how included you feel in society, how either part of society or how alienated you feel, how accepted or how rejected you feel plays a big impact or has a big impact on that. And so when we say that you can't get married or have certain rights that you cannot have, your love is not acceptable, of course that's going to have an impact. And on the contrary, on the opposite end, when you then say, no, it is okay, you are part of society, you should have always been, and you have these rights that will make you feel more socially included and feel that you um, don't have to hide who you are, you can be okay being who you are and proud of who you are, and that can affect how how you feel about yourself and so you might be less likely we're literally talking about saving lives here it's not just something about feeling which that also matters a lot but it's that extreme that it's about life or death for for these individuals um before i go to commercial break since i mentioned the word being proud uh this is something i've heard often we have uh I, maybe it's around i'm sure it's around the world but in the united states we have gay pride parades that have been going on for a long time and Often it's still called gay pride parades, but it'll include all um, members of the LGBTQ community. And sometimes people say, well, why why would you have pride about being, you know, gay or lesbian? No, I don't have pride about being straight. So why would you need to have pride about uh, your sexuality? And so it's a, a little bit different. It's not just a pride for the sexuality in and of itself. It's an experience of when you've been led to believe who you are is so shameful and something you need to hide who you are is something abnormal or bad even you could be arrested or killed for it when you are now accepting hopefully also accepted in society but are allowed to accept yourself and express that there can be a sense of pride for that um, that you want to show that that you feel comfortable to show this is me this is who i am and you don't need to hide it you never should have had to hide it Uh, imagine let's say i know many of the audience are iranian if you moved somewhere and you had to hide that you were iranian you were not allowed to say it you had to cover any sign of it pretend like you were not and then finally 
uh, society advanced, whatever you were, that culture, that you could be okay being that. Imagine that feeling of freedom to finally say, this is me. I'm allowed to be this. This is who I am. You would likely have much more Persian pride right after that if you had to, to go through that experience. So just because I, I mentioned that word pride, it came to my mind because I hear this often. Actually, usually the gay pride parades are in June, I believe, so they might be coming up. Um, and even when I've attended those, I posted a picture, I think it was in 2021, it might have even been 2020, I can't remember, going to uh, a gay pride parade. And I remember getting so many messages saying, are you gay? Um, I think in a genuine question. And um, often I usually don't answer, or I didn't respond to those, I don't respond to lots of messages just in general. But um, I didn't respond to those, but there was the sense of that would be something maybe not good, or maybe they were just surprised. Um, but it reminded me of how, because of the homophobia that we have and the fear of coming off gay, which is usually even stronger for men than for women, but it can be for both, but for men, especially because uh, there's often the sense of men, male, masculinity, and that being gay is the other side of that. And you see so many uh, manifestations of this where men are so afraid to come off as gay that even we see, for example, uh, in countries like the U.S., less touching between men in a, just a, a normal way because of that fear. Uh, I remember seeing these pictures of men athletes in the, I think it was in the 40s or 50s, and they were sometimes even sitting on each other's laps or very close physically in ways that would be not expected or accepted now as signs of men who are masculine in any way, um, but they were comfortable with that because it wasn't was an issue. And now we see the men are afraid to do that because it can maybe come off as being gay and that's such a bad thing that I want to make sure no one thinks I'm gay because that would be bad. And I think that's really sad and it leads to lots of consequences for, of course, gay men the most, but then also all men and all people when we feel like we have to hide certain aspects of who we are or how we are. Uh, we all pay a price when when that happens and so when i was going to this gay pride parade there is sometimes a sense well maybe you shouldn't go because maybe people will think you are which has multiple problems one is that we'd hopefully be at a place where it's like so what if they think i am i'm gonna i'm me and doesn't matter what people think of me and this wouldn't be a bad thing uh even if it were true but sadly it makes it so we might not go support people when it's about human rights at the end of the day uh, LGBTQ rights is about human rights. Trans rights is about human rights. And so I hope we'd all be in favor of supporting human rights, especially when we realize how much people are suffering and being um, hurt for just being who they are and for not having that space and not having the right to be who they are. So just uh, some final thoughts on that over the commercial break. So I should go now. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller, Radio Hambra. You're on the air. Hello, Dr. Halakui. Hi, thanks it's, for calling. Uh, great that I have an opportunity to talk to you and uh, uh, talk about my experience and uh, about this uh, subject that you brought up. And mm -hmm. I opened the radio, actually, my son, and I usually listen to your dad and, uh, for the past, I could say, 15, 16 years. And uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, and I educated myself through different sources. And uh, 
I try to make sure that be there uh, for my family. From I have three children, and uh, two sons. They are one of them is in fifties, and the other one is forties. And my daughter is almost thirty. I've been in this country for forty-four years, and I learned a lot. I just try to uh, minimize uh, the uh, the way that my culture. Uh, for years and years, uh, I just uh, my uh, family and my uh, mothers and all, all their aunts and everyone being so judgmental about uh, anything in life and uh, people they have to hide whatever uh, they were and they had to just put a smile in their face and just even if they were inside things were killing them but they had to show. They are happy, and this is kind of a very, very sad, uh, you know, cultural problem that we have. We don't put our head up and talk about mm-hmm. if, if there is anything wrong. We are facing it. If there is something that we are proud of, and we just have to make sure show it to the other people. And this subject that you just brought up, I open. Uh, that radio and I talk, I, I heard about this conversation and I just thought I have to come up, I have to call. Mm. <laughs> I have to make this call because there were many times that I wanted to talk about this situation and share my experience with my uh, people, Iranian people, which they came to this country. They, we've been through a lot, ups and downs, for everyone, you know, with a different year. I was 44, someone 30, someone 15, sometimes sometimes 20. So it's just a matter of we've been through difficulties. We came out of our country. But here we had the opportunity to educate ourselves, to make sure that what is right and what is wrong, and go and find out the way that we can take care of anything in life to make sure that our family is happy, our children are happy, no matter what. Be with them, support them, be there and be kind and love them. And I had this experience with my daughter. She's a beautiful, young, intelligent, educated, kind person. She loves people, she loves animals. As a matter of fact, I learned to get close to dogs, which I was afraid of dogs for years. And since she was two, she loved all kinds of dogs and animals. And I learned from her to get close to dogs and animals. And I just feel that they are like my, you know, 100% more than antidepressant medication. And she's a loving and caring person. And I was there for her. I supported her. I just listened to her. I wasn't judgmental. As a matter of fact, I had to teach the other part of my family, how they change their mind about the situation. This is something they pe- people, they born with it. And definitely it's there since they, they are in teens. They are in definitely at the age of 14, 15. As you said, if they are afraid of the society or their parents or anybody who can try to judge them, and they're afraid to talk about it, of course they're going to hide it. Of course they're going to get married. Of course they have a horrible marriage. Of course they're going to have bring children. And 
it's going to be a crazy life. So this is what you have to understand. It's the most important thing in life is just love. Love your family. Love your children. Doesn't matter if they are gay or lesbian. Doesn't matter if they are short or tall. Doesn't matter if they are fat or skinny. You just give them love. Be passionate. Be uh, have empathy. Have just be there for them. And I did it. I am one of the. I have a mo. One of the most beautiful and happiest daughter. And my sons, my husbands, and my friends. They all know about it. I told my daughter, just put your head up. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You are a kind person. You are a loving and caring person. And that's something there. If people, they think, just because you are gay, they want to judge you, just tell them, stay away from me. <laughs> and that's what, I, that's what I really did. I stand up on my feet and I put my head up. I said, yeah, that's it. She's happy. She's a great person. She's educated. She's a loving and caring daughter. And is that is that what we want? Isn't it that something that we want from our children? Are you we, we think if they are, as gentleman said, that normal? What is normal? What is normal? I've seen a lot of people. They have their children have, have go through a lot of trouble, lot of problems, and it's just that they don't understand. The only, only thing in life is just no matter what, be for them, be there, and support your whoever is in your family. If it's your sister, your brother, but mostly it's definitely is the child, the children, mm-hmm. parents need to be there for their kids, need to support them, need to understand them, and at the end of the day, that's all lucky. They get a lot of lot of you know happiness in their life they enjoy their uh, achievement they enjoy their successes i mean my daughter is just uh, so so grateful for what she has she's uh, helping her dad she's there for us no matter what and it's just that something i think it's has it two ways to sometimes some people they say well my kids are not there for me because we need to love them it's a two-way street you have to show them love you have to teach them how to love and they they can love you so mm. this is i'm sorry if i talk too much <laughs> no. but i have to i had to <laughs> i had to tell what if this is this was an opportunity for me for for many uh for you know it's been a while that i wanted to talk about this situation and if I had the opportunity, if there was any seminar anywhere that I could go and talk about this experience, and I would share my experience with the parents. Hmm. And I've seen that, how come they disown their kids? And yeah. how come, and I've seen that my daughter's friend, she's a loving, beautiful girl, working so hard. She supports herself. She's come and stay with us most of the time. Her parents disowned her. I can't understand that. What mm. is this in world? Why? If if this girl was, uh, you know, got married four times and having ten kids and changing their boyfriends just because she wasn't gay, that would be approval. That would be approved. So that's what I don't understand. What is in their parents' mind? That what is important in your life to have a 
someone is such a great person, successful, working hard, support yourself, educated, kind, beautiful. What else you want? Why this has to be uh, something negative that you think just because she's gay or lesbian? This is something that you have to disown your child? Yeah. I don't understand. Well, I, yeah. I, I can't. Well, I think what you know what you are bringing up. This is why it's so important: is that these things still do happen, where um, families are, you know, disown their kids, or their, you know, acceptance is a very complicated process, or uh, it's a spectrum. There's everything from completely rejecting someone to completely accepting. Working with lots of Iranian families, I've seen everything in between. Where, okay, they might not disown, but they still make them feel not okay, or they don't accept their love life, or they do a variety of things, and it is heartbreaking to see and i appreciate you sharing your your personal experience because you had to go through that between yourself and your daughter and your family and the culture and actually if you're up for it what i wanted to do or it just comes came to my mind as you were talking is to get more into it because uh, as much as you're clearly so passionate and have these strong feelings and beliefs about it it could have been a process for you. I didn't ask you yet, so I don't know if it was. But I would be open to hearing that because, you know, in, in trying to help one another, re- recognizing the struggle or the challenge, I know you said at the end, I don't know how or why the people do this, and I could feel that same way, although we can sometimes understand these the reasons are so many cultural factors at play that make people feel like they might think they're helping their child by being this way, which is so unfortunate, but that yeah. could be driving it. But if you're open to it, we're about we're at a commercial break. Would you be open to getting a little bit more into your experience of this with your daughter and what that was like? No, I can do that. Yeah. Okay, so we'll put you on hold and we'll, we'll continue that after okay, the break, okay? Sure. Uh-huh. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to them now. Caller, are you still there? I'm still here, Doctor. All right. Thank you for calling again and sharing your your passionate message. I know hearing the previous caller made you uh, feel that this was the right time for you to share uh, some of these thoughts you said you had for a while that you wanted to share. And as I mentioned before the break, I thought it could be uh, helpful, interesting to hear your experience. And, and maybe the whole time you felt the way you did, but often... Uh, we have to uncover and then unlearn some things that we might have um, been taught yeah. from a young age. And so I thought that could be helpful as much as you're willing to get into it of going through your own experience to get to where you are now, because my guess would be you didn't start here. And that could help people who are on are on various stages of the journey to to you know recognize what maybe they need to do or what might help them as well. So um, anything that comes to your mind about that of where you know, the journey for yourself of, uh, uh, you know, you're staying with your daughter now, fully accepting her and recognizing there's uh, only nothing to be, uh, to hide or to not want to talk about. But if that ever was different for you, even before your daughter, you know, when she started to tell you. So yeah, if you can share about that story, I think that could be interesting to hear. Yes, yes, Doctor, yes. Uh, Let me talk about a little bit about uh, my Experience about my life uh, when I was uh, before getting married. My uh, I, I I married very young, and uh, my older brother uh, had mental problem, and he lived in the house. And my family went to hell. 
this was back in Iran, like, you know, uh, I'm 69 and imagine like 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it just, uh, it was very, very difficult for my mother and she was crushed. She was, uh, she didn't have any support, she didn't have any uh, the stigma of the society and everything, you know, and they did not have any education, anything about this uh, mental problem. And so it's been very, very, very bad. And after I got married, after several years, um, I came to the United States. And it just, uh, I always felt that my mother suffered so much. And especially after my brother, you know, was sick, uh, I lost my daughter, my, I'm sorry, I lost my sister at the age of 19 with a tumor in her brain. And that was the second hit in our family. And uh, my mother was devastated. Very, 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 uh, uh, just, it was a tragic in our family. And I witnessed all that, what my mother went through. And I tried to be a, a strong child for her. I tried to make sure that she thinks about me and a strong person. I can take care of myself. And uh, she doesn't have to worry about me, uh, even though, you know, I was growing up myself. I married very young. I came to a different country. And uh, here, you know, I had to learn the language, the, the environment, the culture, and life here. And uh, so away from my mother, which I was the only daughter, which one brother was sick, and I had another brother, which he, he was also a troublemaker. But anyway, to make the story short, I I came here, and after, well, uh, 10 years, I got divorced, and I remarried. Uh, and uh, my younger son, at the age of 20, uh, actually, her, his illness started uh, when he was about 18, showed all those Symptoms. What kind of illness? My bo- Pardon? What kind of illness? Uh, schizophrenia. Okay. That, yeah. So he is uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia, mm-hmm. the same uh, mental, uh, with the same thing that my brother had. And uh, first, you know, so it's been a very, very rough time when, until we took him to the doctor and the doctor was suspicious of schizophrenia. I was just shocked. I said, no, this can't happen to me. I can't, this can't happen to me. And well, anyway, he was diagnosed and I went through, uh, I just, at the beginning, I was very shocked. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't believe this happened to my son. And all those years and they took me back, the memories of what my brother did and what happened in my family and my mother and as soon as he was in the hospital, a lady, a Persian psychologist, came to me. She said, listen, he is sick, but you got to take care of yourself. He doesn't understand what he's doing. He doesn't understand what he's talking about. He's delusional. He's hallucinating. But you have to take care of yourself. Hmm. And this was such a big word for me. Immediately after, sometimes... I started with antidepressant medication, 
And I thought I have to take something to calm myself, make sure I'm there strong for him. Immediately, I started going to the uh, city college, took the abnormal psychology course. Believe me, doctor, it was so difficult because I had three-year-old daughter. My daughter was only three years, three years old. And I used to put her in the uh, day school, go to the class, and I was the only parents in the class that I was there. And I took this course and learned about every, every single, every part of the brain and what is this illness and how, how it happens and how we have to approach it and how we have to uh, deal with it. And it just, I brought my son to my house for a year. He was with me. Honestly, I've been through hell. It's been 26 years. So uh, my daughter was started, you know, the, the school, and she was very, very active, sportive, going to soccer, basketball, in college, very, uh, you know, healthy. And at the age of, you know, 16, 15, I just kind of suspicious his brother, her brother's that kind of little thing about, you know, maybe she likes someone, maybe she likes a girl. And all of a sudden, in my mind, I said, I, gotta be, I have to be there for her. Mm-hmm. I have to be there for her. I talked to her. She, she, was, she started laughing at me. She said, Mom, how did you know? I said, it's okay. It doesn't matter. We can talk about it. We can talk about it. Don't be afraid. And Dr. Holakui, I don't know what, was, what kind of power I had that I talked so let me can I stop you there for a second? You said what kind of power I had. So, and this is what I was curious about, and everyone's experience is going to be different and unique when it comes to that. But I wanted to know for you, you're saying you were open and okay with it and wanted to talk to her about it. But what was your own feeling about her? You know, just LGBTQ in general, but also just having a child. Because as I said, I'm glad you're at a place you are. But sometimes people have to go through their own. Uh, internal. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Holakui, I was, when I was with a different situation with my son at the hospital, at the lock unit, I've seen a lot of young girls, young people go through hell with their illness. That was my fear. I don't want that happen to my daughter. I don't want that happen. Doesn't matter. I have to learn. I have to be there for her. Maybe maybe 20 years ago, I wouldn't accept that. Mm-hmm. Maybe 30 years ago, I wouldn't accept that. But for me, after I've been through a lot, and I've seen divorce, I've seen that how your son or your child could suffer from all these different illnesses, that this being a gay or lesbian is nothing. It's nothing compared to that. When your son or daughter gets kind of a mental problem, their life is gone. Their life is finished. Doesn't matter if they are walk or eat or breathe, but their life is finished. I didn't want that happen to my daughter. I wanted to be there for her. I said, doesn't matter. That's, that's something that hits me. You know, I think every parent, probably they didn't see the boys. They didn't know. If their son or daughter, if they're afraid and talk about this situation, 
what happens if they go to the room and they hang themselves or they kill themselves? Is that what they want? No. This is something that, you know, I was afraid. I so that's why I'm, I so you were afraid of putting more stress or pressure on her, which I think of course, yeah. Of so course, because I yeah. started I as soon as I as soon as I heard and I tried to just make sure that she's not afraid, she shouldn't be afraid of talking about it. She has to she has to be comfortable, she has to come to me, she has to talk about it. And I, I have to tell you something. <laughs> My one story that when she was in love with one girl in her middle school, she was uh she said, I gotta go to Seattle. I said, Honey, you wanna go to Seattle? I, I can't let you go to that. I don't know which family she is. They're in Seattle. I said, Mom, I have to go, I really have to see her. I said, Okay, you know what? I'm coming with you. I'm gonna take your hotel. We're gonna go. As a matter of fact, I took we took another friend of my daughter from here. We flew to Seattle. I get a hotel and I rented a car. I went to that family. I just went there and apparently that parents of that friend they didn't know their daughter is gay or lesbian they didn't know but mm. I wanted to just physically be there and to just make sure and the way that my daughter at the age of 16 she thought it's the end of the world and she's in love I went there and that girl was not even you know she was so you know I mean she didn't even like that, you know, my daughter, you know, we all went there. So I told her, listen, honey, you're so young. It doesn't matter if you love a boy or if you love, love a girl. I'm here for you. I'm there for you. You have to understand it's just, these are all because you're so young. You're experiencing things. You have to understand. And that's why I just wanted her to be comfortable, to, me to, to come and talk to me about everything mm-hmm. in life. Even till today, she doesn't she's, she afraid to talk to me about anything in her life. And, uh, you know, it's just that something that I feel so happy, so confident, so, uh, I mean, I don't know how to express my feeling, but it's just, uh, it's just that I have a daughter. I am so grateful to have her in, you know, every morning she comes she hugs me and says, Mom, I don't know what would I do without you. You were there every step of my life. Mom, you are my hero. Mom, you are. So these are something that I, it, it just, it's like heaven for me. It's mm-hmm. just like heaven. And uh, everything I want, like her mental, her body, her mentally and bodily, her health, it's it's okay. So, because I've seen the yeah. worst part with mm-hmm. my son. So I just don't mind that, you know. So I think this is my, this is my advice to family, to people, to parents. You don't see it worse. You have to understand if your son or daughter is gay or lesbian, just be for them. Just try to uh, understand them. Be kind with them. Don't judge them. Don't blame them. It's just that you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna throw them in the world with with all the hatred, all the people that you don't know what happened to them. 
if you have a son or daughter who are just because they are gay or lesbian, you disown them or you are not accepting them, it's just that you, you kill them. You kill them mentally and uh, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm just so, right now I'm kind of <laughs> tense a little bit. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it got you worked up. I bought, because I think there's a lot of, I mean, you, you shared also about your son, so obviously it brings up a lot of feelings and then seeing what, yeah. What, yeah. what families do, you know, to their loved ones. And uh, not that I think it's, I, I, encourage it but in trying to understand it as I, I said it in a way alluded to it before that usually they might think well this is something not good I have to help them with it or they probably think they're helping them but unfortunately are just making them feel bad about who they are and making them feel like exactly. they're not loved and accepted by their own family which is really really That's critical right. but but it's really you know I guess um I'm not sure it seems like your experience was a, a certain way where it, as soon as she came to you it was okay for you. I just have worked with families where they had to go through their own journey of it that uh, because of their own cultural beliefs and what they ha- had been learned, you know, they learned and saw they they had a reaction to it that it didn't mean they didn't love their yeah. child. It's just it can be there. So I was wondering if you had any of that that you had to go through your own um, yes, journey mine, with it. Mine, exactly. Mine was definitely uh, different uh, because of my son and also um, my daughter I I had her after uh, my second son after 17 years it was mm-hmm. like my first child so I love I love her so much you know my love towards my family and uh, my kids it's I mean it's, it's just a love it's just a love and uh, uh, I tried uh, so hard, even you know, my husband to understand the situation, and he's great. He knows how what a wonderful daughter he has, hmm. and uh, you know, he's just thinking that doesn't matter as long as she's a, uh, a great person. She's successful in her life. She is wonderful. She's kind. She's educated, and. Uh, what else do you want? What else do you want? I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you, I, I know I, what you mean when you say what else do you, you want, but, um, you know, for a lot of people, they have this reaction to it that I'm. you're saying, I'm glad in this case, your husband also didn't have that reaction. And so yeah, you're it right. Was, it took it took a while, you know. It yeah. wasn't right at the moment. It well, and that's what I was. That's what I was. That's what I was trying to get at. Because what yes. I hope people hearing, because it's easy to say, feel this way. But if no, no, someone no. doesn't feel that we, way, yeah. We, we had to go to therapy. We had to, you know, our therapist. She was a wonderful person. She said, you know what? Some people they are they born like him. We feel like a man. Some people are women. Some people they they just like the opposite you know sex mm-hmm. or the same sex so this is genuinely they're born with it it's no psychological problem it's nothing about you know their background their history their genetic nothing and they told us if you don't accept your son or your daughter she's gonna fly off you will not have her mm-hmm. as soon as you know she said that i was just i mean I knew that I have to, you know, no matter what, I have to make myself to make sure that, show show her that I'm there for her. 
even though yeah. maybe at the beginning I had a little bit of kind of afraid about the society. About but, yeah, and that's those are the parts that I, I, I'm mentioning that I think it's yeah. important to keep yeah, in mind because people will have those reactions. Yeah, and it takes it's time for some people. Sometimes it doesn't for some people, but for, for yeah, some people they might have some. Yeah. Of course, it wasn't easy. I was, you know, and uh, it just was like uh, in, in one occasion that my friends were here and one of my friends, uh, her son was really after my daughter. She was only... 20 and she was upset and uh, and she told him that hey don't touch me I am I'm gay just don't touch me I said oh my god you're gay I'm going to tell your mom <laughs> and she said hey my mom knows hmm. don't uh, don't worry about that and uh, it's just that she was she was so proud she could talk about it and, middle of, and she came and sat with my friend and I said she started the subject and my, one of my friends said, so who's gay here? My daughter said, I am gay. And I was just looking at her face. And just because I gave her that courage, I, I just showed her that, you know, I just uh, gave her the courage to talk about it. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. And that's why in, right now, it's been almost 10 years after that, all my friends, most of them, they know, they come, they love, they just, and she's very happy. She's very happy. And yeah. it's just... Uh, well, you know, I mean, I commend your daughter, you know, I, I know you said you gave her that courage. You gave her the space for it, but it's her, it's her courage or her, um, yes. you know... I just didn't want her to be afraid. Yeah. I just didn't want to be ashamed. Right. And all we can, all we can do that is not add, the, you know, the fear, because we can't just make someone's fear... Um, go away. We don't want to make them afraid or make them feel like they have to feel yeah. bad to well, us. The society, she told me, Mom, you don't believe how the society thinks. Mm-hmm. You're not there. We hear from people. We, uh, the way they treat us. And I just didn't want that in, in our house. Mm-hmm. I want her to feel comfortable around the friends that we are, we, they, they are with my friends. I wanted her to feel comfortable. So that's what all of them. Yeah, all and I think, just, yeah. And you know what, it's just the way that they see her, how happy, beautiful, she has a great sense of humor, she she loves, she just, you know, it, it's just amazing the way that she is free, she's, she's happy around yeah. the people that they... Well, that's, you know, it seems like you, as you said, you wanted to give her that, that space, and the reason yeah. I wanted to hear some more of your, your story was to hear what you know that experience was like as you said we didn't get too much into that process of it but you know for a lot of people they can go th- it could be a struggle and so i encourage uh for parents that it can be easy especially for me who's not in that situation right now to say oh just accept them love them and i'd want that and i encourage people to do that but i can recognize that it can be a journey that people go through because of their own starting point because of what they might have learned and have their own uh, yeah, judgments about yeah. that. So I'm glad you you know you shared uh, some of your oh, your experience, and I appreciate you you doing that today. Oh, you're welcome. I talked to your dad a lot about my son, and honestly, I learned a lot. Hmm. And uh, so it's just been. Uh, I mean, I always uh, uh, appreciate him. He's uh, is a 
it's a, he's a, he is a one kind <laughs> person yeah. in our society and uh, and I listen to him sometimes because mostly I learned a lot so I'm just <laughs> I see that you know a lot of young people a lot of people they call her they call him and they just uh, uh, it's just that he he really when the time was I needed help I I listened to his uh, program and it just helped me so much and I think one of the reasons that I'm strong because of him mm, well, and I, I try to educate myself I really really did that I've been there I saw a lot of parents that they are struggling with their kids they are in mental uh, you know uh, hospital a lot of them are they don't accept it they, they are in denial a lot of them they are just they don't know what to do. They are scared. They are, they have fear of you know what will happen. And honestly, maybe my experience was more because I I saw my dad, my brother, my mother, and I didn't want my uh, fam- my children, my family. Uh, when I'm not in this world, I wanted to leave a, a kind of a legacy or memory for them that. I was a strong person, and uh, I didn't want because I always felt that my mother crushed. She she didn't have any joy in her life. Mm. She always had to suffer, either from my. Well, that's uh yeah. Unfortunately, we sometimes have this um, the the martyr feeling of just suffering, and I think that woman in the the, the mental hospital psychologist told you not to just suffer to take care of yourself. And I'm I'm glad yes. that you did and that you you yes. got that message. Yes, that was. That helped me so much. Because yeah. I, at the time, I had my daughter was only two years old. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? I mean, I I was learning. I was in the world, in the, the situation that I had to uh, cope with her situation. I brought her after a couple of months to, to my house, and uh, sometimes, most of the time, I was afraid. Yeah. Because I knew that uh, with the situation, he was hallucinating. He was just talking about. Well, All if I can, if, if if I may one say one thing about that, I I understand everyone's mental illness can show up differently, but I also wouldn't want to give the message that if your child has mental illness, you said at one point you know their life is is over, and it depends on what type of mental illness and what's what's going on. We might have to accept some things, like might not be the same or might not be what we might expect. But I, that was just one comment I wanted to make sure, because I think some people might hear that and think, well, mental illness means like life is over and mental yeah, is a my, very common uh, common my, you know experience son, yeah 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 my son has the worst one the schizophrenia yeah. no it, it is but even people with schizophrenia can live again it's it's a it's a range of illness so i'm, I'm not saying in your son's situation yeah i understand that yeah. i understand that but honestly doctor we can live we can live but it depends it depends. I I tried everything. No, I'm I well. It's not. Yeah. I, so it's not saying about in your case it would have been different. So my point is just just to make that point that people listening, even if you get a, yourself a diagnosis of schizophrenia or someone you knows, it doesn't mean it has to be. You know, some people with schizophrenia. There's a professor uh, at U- USC Law School who has schizophrenia. There, you know. So and it's a range of illness. So I'm not saying your situation you didn't do yes. enough or anything uh, could yeah, have been yeah, different. Uh, just, yeah, 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 exactly. I'm I'm sorry if I make that point. I mean, uh, yeah, well, honestly, it's just yeah, maybe. But 
<laughs> yeah. Every every it's, case is, is is unique. Every but, case is different. Yeah. But it depends of the strength of the schizophrenia. Of course. Schizophrenia. So it's just the way that, yeah. And also, I mean, some people they they take their medication themselves. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a whole. You know, we don't have to get into all of those. You know, issues. Um, I was actually needed to go on a break a few minutes ago. I thought we would. Maybe I'd bring you on for the next one, but we could wrap it up here. I appreciate you calling because, again, the experience of uh, being in a family and and going through that uh, compared to what was brought up earlier, I wanted to have that perspective. So thank you so much for sharing that. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for uh, having me in your uh, program, and uh, thank you again for all the hard work and be there for our society. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, the previous caller, I appreciate her sharing her experience, um, specifically having a daughter who is lesbian and, and being Iranian and things that she experienced. And it reminded me of um, a few years back, it was back in 2019, I had Sima and Ben Tubia on the show. And um, Ben shared his experience coming out as a gay man in the Iranian community and then his mother, Sima, um, shared about her experience uh, having a gay son in the Iranian community, her personal journey, and then also what it was like interacting with others. And this led to her creating a support group called We Do Care for Iranian parents of LGBTQ children. We Do Care. And I believe um, they're in the Los Angeles area. I don't know if they also have online types of groups and things for people outside of the uh, LA area. But um, as their experience showed, and as I discussed with the caller, of course, everyone has their own experience, but um, there's various layers of what someone might go through um, in this this journey, so in this process. So, of course, individuals who are of the LGBTQ community themselves, they go through um, their own experience, which is going to be far more personal because they're the one that has to to go through it we also have the experience of the families and they can go through multiple levels of things as well just like an individual themselves might have to deal with their own experiences of what they've heard and learned about not being straight and what the expectations might be and what they uh, might feel about that Uh, the family members of course might have that as well so um I would encourage everyone to have love and support for everyone, especially their children. Um, But we do have to recognize the things that might come up for us. So um, for many people, because of what they have been culturally taught and exposed to, they have their own reactions to it. So they have to often go through a process of recognizing that, what they might already think or believe, uh, expectations they might have had for their children that, first of all, we have to be aware that We want to minimize those because we put those expectations onto our kids and get in the way of letting them be themselves and who they are. But all these things can can play out in that. So um, I wanted to have that discussion with the caller because she had to go through her own journey of trying to figure that out. It seemed like because of what she'd experienced earlier in life, she really wanted to make sure her daughter didn't feel uh, excluded or not loved or not accepted and had that comfort to talk to her which are are all very important things. And so if anyone is going through something similar, know that you're not alone. There's um, a lot you can 
get from communicating to others who've gone through something similar. And even in saying that, gone through something, it still can be a challenge, so I do want to recognize that, but I also don't want to make it seem like something wrong or bad has happened. Um, I often try to reflect on, you know, when we look at the past, we sometimes are shocked or surprised at the things people either thought or felt or cared about or the things they did. And it seems so old-fashioned or old-school and, and wrong. Um, but I always try to think about, well, what might some of those things be in the future, people looking back at us now? And I actually think this is one of those issues that um, people, not even that far in the future, you already see it with the younger generations, will care much less about these things than we, we do now, that it won't be something to um, judge someone about or be prejudiced about. It will be just something about them. And so they'll be surprised at how big of a deal these things were to us. And so I hope we move more and more towards that, that there's this full acceptance and that there won't be some um, big issue, but we're, we're not there yet. There's still work to be done uh, along those lines, and I hope all of us can be part of that process. We use that word ally, but really ally is not a noun, like who you are. Ally is what you do, the actions of being supportive of... Um, if you see something against, whether it's a joke or whether it's just some thoughts or ideas that you speak up and also show your care and support for all, all of humanity, but for members of the LGBTQ community, if you want to be an ally, make sure it's shown through your actions, not just some kind of status as ally. So let's uh, go to our last commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hambra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Thank you for your show. Sure. Thanks for calling. Uh, I have a son, and in the morning when I go to work, and his dad go to work, and the grandma come take care of him, and he doesn't eat breakfast, but the other time he's eating well. How old is I he? He's like eight. Eight? Okay. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, because the grandma is kind. But I don't know why he doesn't eat with her. Okay. Well, so, I mean, you know, obviously some things come to mind of, uh, you know, feeling anxious and that takes away our appetite. Also, is there something he's aware of you're going and so he's doing it in some way to, to get that attention because it seems like it's making you have a reaction. So can you tell me what happens in these mornings? You know, in the morning, I have to go early, like 5 o'clock at work. Mm-hmm. And then he's that too. So the grandma comes and he knows that uh, my child knows that the grandma going to come. Mm -hmm. So grandma is there when he's waking up. But when he's waking up, he doesn't want to eat. And grandma offers many things, you know, that we have at home. But he doesn't want to eat. But yeah. when we are home, he eats. I'm just wondering why. And also he doesn't talk to grandma too much. Okay. I talk. I don't know. Well, the first one, the this, you know, eating, I mean, it seems like you, the pattern seems very clear to you that if you're home, he eats. If you're not, he doesn't. Um, and he knows it's happening. So you're saying it's not a surprise. But it, that wouldn't mean that he might not feel anxious still. He might feel nervous or doesn't feel as comfortable. Now, let me ask you what happens when grandma's there, when does he eat? I'm sorry. When, when grandma's there, you're saying he doesn't eat breakfast. What does he do? Does he eat later on? He just say, I'm going to eat later, I'm going to eat later, I'm not hungry. Okay. And grandma say, okay, you want cereal, you want 
like blah blah to buy eggs or something. He said no, and he barely maybe ate like a couple of spoon of cereal. I mean, not eat anything. And okay. Then go go to the school. Oh, okay. Oh, so he goes to school. That then he comes back. Does he yeah. eat at school? Yeah, he goes to the school. Right, but he does he eat at school? school? Does he eat at school? Oh, uh, I, I don't know because uh, you know I'm not there. Sometimes they have hot lunch. I don't know what he eats, or sometimes like put some food for him. Sometimes he eats well. Sometimes no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, has have you talked to him about this, or has he ever said anything about this, like not having breakfast with Grandma? No, he doesn't say anything. Okay. Well, you could talk to him about it, but I, I would want you to be careful not to bring it up in a way of like he's doing something wrong or bad, because when I hear you telling me, it seems like you're you're worried about it or you're frustrated about it, so it could come off that way to him, like he's doing something wrong. It's more, I would want you to have a conversation, try to understand what's what's happening. At the end of the day, it's okay. I'd want him to have breakfast, but it's okay if he doesn't. So we don't want him to make it, make him feel bad about it. But you could see what it is if, he, you know, or maybe like there's certain foods he likes. It seems like it's not about the food, but just to make it okay for him to have that conversation. But I would encourage you to have it not in a way of saying, why do you do this? You know, why don't you eat with grandma? Because then he's going to take it like you're saying, he's doing something bad or wrong when we want to understand maybe yeah he's more anxious in those mornings or he's a little bit nervous or something you know when a kid wakes up and their parents aren't there it could feel different obviously than when they are there even if he knows grandma and grandma's very nice uh, that doesn't change that it's something that might make a child feel a certain way yeah and he doesn't talk to grandma too much okay when the grandma asks something he just don't answer Sometimes just if he wants, he talks about the, you know, some toys that he had, they are new or blah, blah. Well, but that's, I mean. Grandma asks, you know, for example, what did you do yesterday? He didn't answer. Okay. Well, mo- a lot of kids don't give, a, you know, long uh, answers to those kind of questions. Like you say, what did you do at school? They say nothing. When, of course, we know they were there for, you know, several hours and did many things. So I wouldn't be so concerned about about that or that he wants to talk about his toys. I mean, yeah, kids... And most people, even adults too, we want to talk about things that interest us. So that that's okay. I, I wouldn't make those uh, an issue for him if he's not having longer conversations with her. So we cannot do anything about the, that he ate something in the morning? Well, it's not that you can't do anything. What I was saying is that if you want to talk to him about it, I wouldn't want it to come up in a way of, you know, why don't you do this or you should eat something. Um, we, we want to make him feel okay to sh- talk about it. Maybe he doesn't even know. It doesn't seem like he's trying to do something um, on purpose or he's like, you know, trying to make a problem. So we don't want to make him feel like it's a problem. So you can ask him about it. And I would I- encourage that mindset in general. When If it's something you want to, um, you see him doing, first try to understand it before you you focus on changing it. Yeah. What about that? I asked him the day before that, what do you want to eat for? Breakfast tomorrow. Yeah, you could. That, that's not a bad option. Yeah, well, you know, you know, and you can. Yeah, it's another way of preparing him. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, Grandma's going to be there tomorrow because I have to go to work. So when you wake up, Grandma will be here. What do you want to have for breakfast? And then maybe he's part of the process, or you even could make some of it together if it's not something that has to be made. Then um, yeah. that that's not a bad option to have that. And that's a, that's a great idea. You came with yourself, 
And, and the bigger part of that is to make it a conversation. See, see what he says. You know, he's oh yeah, no, I don't. Well, don't make a big deal for him. Just yeah. With that's, most, that's what, what with, doing. yeah, with most most of these th- you know things with with kids, if we make it a big deal, then it becomes a big deal, and then it could turn into even like a power struggle. You know, so if you, you know a lot of parents have issues where they. Uh, try to force their kids to eat at a certain time or eat a certain thing or in a certain way and then now food becomes this thing that they fight over and it becomes less about what they're eating and about this fight that's happening this power struggle so that's what I don't want to see happen is that it becomes a a power struggle now how is how is his grandma doing about this like is she okay with it or is she not happy about it herself she just wanted that he eat sure he just uh, say, hey, do you want this? Do you want that? And yeah. Yelling, no, I don't want it. I don't want that. Well, yeah, it seems like because he keeps, you know, she, he's saying no and she keeps asking. And so maybe he might be getting frustrated that she keeps asking, even though he says, I don't want anything. Um, so, you know, we don't want her to be part of that process, too, of fo- trying to force him to eat something. It could be good to give options. But once he's saying, I don't want any of them, if we keep asking, that is going to make him more frustrated. So, yeah. yeah, you know, food can yeah, be one of those. Sleep is the same thing where we try to force kids with certain things. And then, as I was saying, it becomes less about sleeping and being tired and more about winning this battle. And that then once it becomes a power struggle, we all lose because it just becomes about the fight rather than even what it's about. Yeah. Thank you so much. Sure. I, I really appreciate that your program. Is oh, appreciate you calling. Educational. Oh, I appreciate you calling. Thank you. Have a great day. Have a Take care. Yeah, so that, um, you know, I'm, I appreciate her taking that so well because I didn't give her a set thing of do this and it's going to change the situation. And most of the time, that's how it is. And what we want to do more than anything, we might have some desired result. But the first thing is to understand the problem and the situation more clearly because more than what's happening, let's say he has breakfast, but if we somehow found a way that he ate it but he was still anxious let's say, that anxiety would be something that would give us a lot of information to help understand him and also teach him about emotions, teach him that he can talk about these things. So often the process in these things is more important than just the result. And often we have so much going on or we're so preoccupied with some things being a certain way, understandably even we might get so preoccupied with the result that we forget about the process and what might be more important, which is understanding. Um, as I was saying t- to start the show, even with myself trying to understand my own physical body and what I was feeling, that was more important than just, let's say, okay, how, did I speak a certain way on the air or did I do something else a certain way? So the understanding is almost always the more valuable piece or the first piece of the puzzle. Someone comes to you with a problem, we are usually quick to give advice and to give a solution which could be coming from a good place. We don't want them to feel bad. We want to be helpful. But we often forget that uh, a problem usually is much more complicated than something that can be said in a few sentences. So if we really want to be helpful, the first thing we want to do is to focus on understanding, seeing what else we can get about the situation before we give any advice, even if we do give any advice. Um, And not only that, realizing that sometimes what's more helpful is for the person to have that space to understand it better for themselves. And by asking them questions, we might help them uh, come to a better understanding of whatever it is, whatever it is that they're dealing with. So 
Uh, always encourage understanding first, which means asking more questions and asking questions as I was suggesting to that mother too. Do that in a non-judgmental or non-critical way because if we ask why in a way that seems like we're disappointed or we're angered by the person, it can make it harder for them to be open. They are likely to become defensive because they think you're saying something's wrong with them. But if there's a why of curiosity and understanding, that could help them open up and then we learn more, they learn more, and then we maybe together can come up with the solution that, that's more helpful or that works. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. A big thank you to Farhuda here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Farid Olokwi, Sans and Digi Azadi.